Hey, good morning and, and welcome to Journey Church. My name is Scott. I'm the lead pastor here and I'm just glad that you would take an hour or so out of your Sunday morning to, to join us. Our hope is as you enter into this place, whether it's your first Sunday or your 50th, that, that you feel at home with us, that you feel like this is a place that feels like, like home to you. And um, so welcome, welcome into this place. And I, and I actually, I hope this weekend you had a wonderful weekend. I only say that because on Friday, I actually got to go on a, on a date night with my wife and, and we went down to uh, Corvallis. We went to watch the Oregon State women's basketball. Unfortunately, they lost to, to Stanford. It was, anyway, it's disappointing, but it is what it is. But it was fun to just kind of get away and, and go down and do something special. But we were driving there. And so we left in the early afternoon trying to beat some of the traffic. And, 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 you know, from here, you kind of have some options, you know, as how you're going to get to I-5. That's the route that we went. And, and so I just started driving. And, and it wasn't long after we got in on the road and started moving that we just started to talk and actually got into some, some heavy conversation. And so we were just talking. And I, was, I got in the point where you know how, what that's like. It's autopilot. You're just driving and you just, you just follow the route that you just know that you always go on. And, and all of a sudden, I kind of went out on Tonquin and kind of was heading back to like the way you go to, to Costco if you're coming from from Sherwood often, and, and I just hit this layer of traffic that was miles before even I-5, and I was like, what? Like, how did I even get here? And then I, just, I thought to myself, like, I didn't even mean to go this way. I was planning to go, you know, over by Wilsonville Road and get on I-5 that way, and yet I was on, on autopilot. I just kind of went the way my mind went. I just, it wasn't even thinking. I just drove, and I got to where I didn't want to be, and and I thought about that this morning as we were coming to the Word of God, that sometimes when we read the stories that we read in the gospel, stories that are familiar to us, like maybe the one that we'll read today could be, we kind of go on autopilot, and we just start kind of to zip through, and, and maybe we miss out on some things. So today, we're going to be a, a little bit more deliberate and a little bit more intentional with this passage. In fact, throughout this series, and we've been in this series for a while, I know, and we're going to be in it until the end of this year, and with maybe some breaks in between, but... Typically, when I've read a passage of Scripture, I just read the passage, and then we, and then we talk about it. But this morning, we're going to approach it a little bit differently. We're going to just kind of take it almost verse by verse, and we're only going to get through about seven verses today. So if you happen to actually bring a Bible with you this morning, let me encourage you to open that up to John chapter 9. And if you didn't bring a Bible, but you have a smartphone and use the smartphone app, that's fantastic as well. But we're going to be in John chapter 9, starting in verse 1. And here's what it says in verse 1 of John chapter 9. It says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, if you've been paying attention, if you were here for the last four weeks, we were in John chapter 8, and there was a lot of tension, a lot of angst, a lot of opposition against Jesus. In fact, the end of John chapter 8, Jesus was about to be stoned. The Pharisees had picked up the stones. They were ready to just pelt him. And it says that he, that he slipped away. And it just feels kind of like a clunky transition. Like Jesus, it's, he walks away from the stoning, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, a blind man. And so it just felt like there's this incongruence in what was taking place. But it's a reminder as we read through John's gospel specifically. John's super intentional with what he says and the details that he includes and the way that he curates the story. Like the things that he tells and, and the places that he tells them. And sometimes he just kind of jumps to a new scene. Kind of like, I don't know if anybody remembers like on Scooby-Doo when, when like they would just jump to a new scene. It'd be just like the squiggly screen and then all of a sudden they're at the, you know, the, the haunted house or whatever. And that's what John does here. He's like, Jesus is about to get stoned, squiggly screen, and now he's walking next to a, a blind man. But as I've said before, and I'm often kind of almost a broken record about this. And actually, I apologize if you were born after 
the year 2000, you don't understand that reference, but a broken record means you just repeat over and over and over something. And, but this idea that the details matter to John. The details matter to John, and we're going to look at some specific details in these verses today. In fact, we'll start with verse 1. It says, he, Jesus, saw a man blind from birth. Now, a few things to point out, even in this one verse, is that Jesus saw. Now, we know Jesus is a man. We know that he had eyes that he sees just like us. But, but John here isn't describing the process of how Jesus takes in light, and those lights, you know, they cause, you know, the photoreceptors and all the electrical signals to go from the retina to the brain, and then all of a sudden his brain interprets that image as, as a blind man. No, what, what John is pointing out in this when he says he saw, he's saying that Jesus perceived, Jesus took in, Jesus understood. In fact, the word is better translated behold, which means to look upon something special or significant. Maybe you've had a moment like that where you've beheld something. Maybe it was a sunset. Maybe it was a beautiful view. Maybe it was a piece of art. The, probably the most natural example of someone beholding something else is, is when I watched my wife hold each of our three children for the first time and just staring into their faces. She was beholding them. She was looking into and seeing something special. And so when Jesus saw this man, he didn't see a problem. He didn't see a sickness. He didn't see a sinner. What he saw was a real person. Jesus saw a, a real person and he beheld a real person in front of him. Now, I think sometimes when we read a story like this, we kind of forget that reality. This, this was a real person. This man born blind was a real person. He has a name. We don't ever learn it in this story, but he has one. He has a family. We'll actually see that next week. He has a past and he has a future. He was a real person and Jesus saw this real person. He beheld this real person. And not only that, he saw the condition that this man was in. He saw that he was blind. He saw that he was in need. He saw that he could use help. He saw his condition, his physical condition of blindness. But beyond that, Jesus saw his, his spiritual condition. He saw his emotional condition, his mental condition, his relational condition. He saw where this man was and what he was going through. In fact, he didn't just see his condition. He actually saw his entire story. John points it out. He says, Jesus saw a man who was born blind or who was blind from birth. Jesus not only saw him and beheld him, he not only saw his condition, but he saw his story. Jesus saw that, that this is the place that he had been for his entire life. He had, this, this had been his life from, from the beginning until where he found himself right now. This was his story. I think sometimes we forget that, that while Jesus was both God and man, his, his vision, his ability to see was so much different than ours. In fact, his vision, the way that he sees, is, is exactly the way that his father sees. And we see an example of that in Psalm 139, where it says, You have searched me, O Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty 
for me to attain. You see, Jesus sees the way that the Father sees. He sees this man. He beholds this man. He sees his condition, and he knows his story. But in verse 2, it, it kind of jumps to what his disciples think and see. It says, in verse 2, it says, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born, born blind? Now, this seems like a strange question to us, doesn't it? Like, all of a sudden, like, you see a, a man born blind, and you assume that he was, either his parents made some sort of mistake, or he made some sort of mistake before he was even born, that he might be born blind. Now, now this was just a cultural norm for the, the Jewish culture. They understood that, that sin was, was related to suffering, that, that, the, that their sickness was often caused, they believed that it was often caused by their sinfulness. But Jesus doesn't adhere to that. He doesn't believe that. He, isn't, he actually thinks very differently about that. He says so in, in verse 3 when he says, No, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Now, to be clear, when we, when we hear Jesus say this, we know that what he's not saying is that you know, mom and dad never sinned. He's not pointing them out as, as a sinless example. He's also not saying that, that the son, that the blind man, the man who was born, born blind, that he never sinned. No, what he's saying is that this situation was not caused by the sin of the mother and the father. It was not caused by the sin of, of the son. And, and yet, at the same time, we understand some things about sin, don't we? We know that, that sin has consequences. We know that sin can be harmful. We know that, that sin can cause and lead to suffering. Sometimes sin hurts us, right? And sometimes sin hurts those around us. Sometimes sin damages us, and sometimes sin damages those that are around us. Sometimes sin destroys us, and sometimes sin destroys those that are around us. And we understand and know that, that there is such a thing as, as this generational sin, that the sins of, of the, our parents can actually have an impact on us and be destructive towards us, but that is not what Jesus is talking about here, and it's not what he was saying took place in this situation. He was very clear that the, the sins of the father and the mother had nothing to do with this, this situation. Interestingly, though, he says this, he says, this happened to display the work of God. Now, here's the question that I had. So does this mean that, that Jesus or God caused this to happen, caused this man to be born blind so that he could show off his good works? I mean, that's what it sounds like Jesus is saying in the sense that this, this situation was caused so that God could receive more glory. And yet, I don't think that's what it is. And you see, this man was born blind because he was born into a broken world. This man was born blind because he was, he was born into a world that needs fixing, that needs renewing, that needs restoring, that needs recreating. And these things, these things are the works of God. When Jesus said the works of God, these are the works of God. Restoring, healing, renewing, redeeming, and recreating. These are the works of God that Jesus was talking about. And it sounds to me, when I look at this, that when it comes to the work of God, Jesus is saying, let's, let's make hay. 
while the sun shines. And what I mean by that is what he says in verses 4 and 5. Listen to these again. He says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. For Jesus, he didn't see this man's situation as, as tragedy. Rather, he saw it as opportunity. Opportunity for the works of God, healing, restoring, redeeming, and recreating to take place. And so he's like, let's get to work. He does. In, in verse 6, he says, after this, John says, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the, man, the man's eyes. Now, can we just stop for a moment and just have a kind of a collective, eh. It's like, ah, uh, that's gross, right? I mean, is, that's our culture. Like, spit is, is just gross. And, and it's interesting, on all the things that I read about this passage, this verse specifically, when we was talking about the saliva, they never used, they rarely used the word saliva. They used the word spittle. Now, spittle is, is the same as saliva. It just might be a little milkier, a little frothier. Just sounds a little, a little bit more. Oh. Exactly. The perfect timed pinch right there. <laughs> but second, <laughs> is that this guy, the blind guy, he just never saw it coming. I mean, literally, because he was blind, but <laughs> he, he didn't. But it's, I mean, it's just interesting because unlike other stories, he didn't call out to Jesus. And Jesus didn't point him out. And like, there wasn't this big to-do. It just was, they were walking by. And Jesus stops and they have a quick conversation. And he spits on the ground. And he makes some mud. And he, and he begins to wipe it on his eyes without any sort of warning. Not even like, hey, close your eyes or anything. It's just, he just does that. So what's interesting in this, and the reason I tell you all that, is because Jesus could have done this any number of ways. Jesus could have healed the man with a, with a word. He had done that before. Jesus could have healed the man with a touch. He had done that before. Jesus could have healed him with, you fill in the blank. This is Jesus. He could heal him however he had chosen to. But for whatever reason, he thought making mud from spittle would be the best way to heal this man. And I think there are a few reasons. Let me share them with you. The first is this. is it, This was on the Sabbath, right? Big surprise. Like Jesus healing somebody on the Sabbath. If you've been following with us in John, this just happens. Now, it might be interesting, like, why, why in the world would that matter, that, that Jesus would want to, like, anoint someone with, with spit and mud on the Sabbath? Well, it's super interesting. You know, the, the Pharisees had all these laws, right, that they did not want to get broken. And so what they would do is they would actually kind of build fences, not literal fences, but these rules around these laws. So, for example, there was a law that said you can't work on Sunday. You can't be a, a brick mason on Sunday. You can't use mortar on Sunday to build bricks. And so to build a fence around the idea of building bricks, they said you can't even spit in the dirt and make mud because <laughs> that's moving towards the work of a mason. And so they had this, this thing. And so Jesus knew this about them. He knew that this would maybe set them off. This would challenge them. He knew that this, their way of, of thinking needed to be upended. And so he made this move. He did this work on the Sabbath. That's maybe the first reason. Another reason is this, is that, is that this was a picture of creation. Then go flip back to Genesis in the first few chapters where we see God forming the universe. And then he pauses to form man by, by scooping up the dust and the earth and blowing the, the 
the Spirit of God in, into man and into humanity and, and forms man. And here Jesus picks up the dust and, and makes mud. And, and what he is doing is both creating and, and recreating sight in a man born blind, moving him from, from darkness and then into light. So that would be another reason. A third reason would be this, is that this is what Jesus had to anoint with. You know, in, in this time, the, the typical anointing, if someone needed healing or if someone was sick, they would use oil, right? Probably an, an olive oil. And they believed that this oil, it had medicinal purposes and, and values to it. And so they would use that and they would apply it to the, the sick part or the broken part or whatever needed healing. And, and yet, likely, Jesus didn't have oil on him, but he used what he had. And actually, the word that when it says Jesus put mud on his eyes, it, it actually could be better translated, anointed his eyes with this spittle made mud. But I think beyond all these three reasons, and I think they're all valid and good, I think that actually the fourth that I, that I have here is probably the, for me, the, the most significant. It's because it would need to be washed off. I mean, we all agree, right? It's like, let's just, let's just get rid of it. But it would need to be washed off. That means that it would actually require the man born blind to do something, to take a, a step of, of faith, to, to wipe it off, to, to participate in the work of God that was being set before him. And that's what we see in, in the, the, the next verse. Here's Jesus says, go, he told him. Wash in the pool of Siloam, this, is, this word means sent. So Jesus, he sent this guy to go to a pool, right? To go to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. And, and again, Jesus could have washed the mud off himself. He, he, maybe he had some water. He could have doused some water on there. He could have used his tunic or whatever and just wiped it off. He could have gone just clack, classic mom st- style with the spittle. And, okay, it's the last time I'm using the word spittle. But, you know, just like, you know, and just kind of wipe it off with his his thumb. He could have even just handed him some water and said, just rinse it off. But he doesn't. He says, go to the pool of Siloam. Wash. Go and wash there. Now, there's a picture up behind me of this pool. You can see that it's, it's large, right? And, and, it's, and it's, there's steps leading down into it. For a blind man to go from where he met Jesus to the pool of Siloam and then into the water, it would require help. I think Jesus was sending him to go to the pool of Siloam because he wanted to include other people in the work of God. Because if you actually go back to what Jesus said in, I don't know, verses 4 or 5, he says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Jesus wanted to include others in the work of God that was going to be displayed in the life of the man who was born blind. So we sent him to the pool of Siloam. So we sent him to a place where someone would need to help him get there. Someone would need to help him get into there. And they might need, even need to help him wash some of the mud, some of the spit off of, off of his eyes. And so it says, the next part of this last verse that we look at today, it says, so the man went and washed and came home seeing. Now, I love the, the simplicity of how John describes this. He just says the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. But this wasn't simple. This was, this was significant, right? This was a sign. Like, I don't think we understand. Like, I think we just read this as story, and like, that sounds like 
cool, but, but if you had ever met someone born blind who had mud speared on their eyes and they washed it off in a pool and then came, all of a sudden they could see, you would be amazed. I don't think you would just say, oh, he went and he washed and he came home seeing. Like there would be a, like something significant about this. This was actually the sixth of seven signs that John tells about in his gospel. Like seven specific signs that he points to, not just simply to, to point to a miracle, not just simply to amaze people because Jesus didn't do the miracles just simply to amaze them. They were signs that pointed beyond the miracles and they were signs that pointed to Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God. It, we've talked about this a lot in the early part of, of this series, but do you remember what it says at the end of John's gospel? Like in chapter 20, I think it's in verses 30 and 31. Like John tells us why he wrote this whole story. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. You see, Jesus didn't come simply to, to offer a, a few miracles, to do some cool things, and to, I don't know, gather a crowd around him. He came to bring life. He came to bring life in his, in his name. And these signs and these miracles, they give us a glimpse of what that life is intended to look like. To look like. It's what life has always been intended to look like, wholeness, healing, renewal, redemption, like, like the, all of these words, they're all like re-words, like let's go back to the way it was supposed to be, the way before we were, before it was all broken. And Jesus is doing that work. He, he did that work and he's going to do that work and he's going to continue to until he comes back and restores all things completely. And, and rules and reigns forever. Like, we can't wait for that day. But even now, even now, he wants to do the same things. I heard a proverb this week that talked about, it's an old Chinese proverb that says, you know, the, the, the best time to plant a tree is, is 40 years ago, but the second best time is right now. Like, Jesus is desiring to do some of these things even now, even in these moments. So for now, I wonder if you'd be willing to, to do something with me, <laughs> and it does not involve spit. I'm going to read this passage again in just a minute. I'm going to read it slowly. I'm going to read it in its entirety. I'm going to read it somewhat deliberately as, as best as I can. And here's what I want to invite you to do is, is to take a moment as I'm reading it and just, if you're willing, to just kind of close your eyes. And imagine yourself in this story. Imagine yourself that, that you're the man, except you're not, right? You are you. You are a, a woman. You are a, a son. You are a husband. You are a sister. You are a, a, you describe yourself, like however you want to describe yourself, like just place yourself in, in this story. And in this story, I want you to include your condition. Like what's your physical condition right now? What's your spiritual condition? What's your emotional or mental condition? What's your relational condition? And then lastly, I can include your story in it a little bit. How long is it, have you been in this space, in this place? Has it been a week? Has it been a year? Has it been since childhood? Has it been since birth? 
fill in some of these blanks with, with your story, who you are, the condition you find yourself in today, and how that story has played out over time. And I, I, I've been trying to do that myself this week. I've been, I, I don't want to come here on Sunday mornings, hey, go ahead and try this, but it's too, I'm, I'm going to skip it. I've been trying to, to do this myself, and I'll be honest, it's not easy. It's hard. If you actually put yourself into it, and, and you don't just skim over the surface, well, I'm a guy, and I'm, I don't know, I've, I'm not even going to pretend like I'm going to make something up, but it's just not that simple. It's going to be potentially challenging. But here's the thing I want you to remember is that Jesus already sees you. It's that Jesus already beholds you. He looks at you as as a beloved child in this moment. Jesus already knows the condition that you are coming into today or coming in with today. He knows where you're at spiritually, emotionally, physically, relationally, mentally, he already knows because he knows your story. He knows how long you've been going through this because he's been with you from the beginning of your story. So even though it's hard, know that Jesus already knows it all. And he's just wanting you to kind of just listen to him in this story. He wants you to listen as, as I reread this. Listen to his, his words of, of actually kind of compassion, words that, that didn't point towards shame or, or blame or condemnation. He didn't say anything about this man's parents or about this man. Rather, he said, this is an opportunity. This is not a tragedy. This is an opportunity for the works of God to be displayed in the life of this person. And then maybe, just maybe as you listen to this again, maybe you'll be ready and willing to receive the anointing that Jesus has for you today. So now let me just invite you to close your eyes and maybe take a a few deep breaths and let me just read these seven verses. It won't last long, but just inject yourself into the story. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is today, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. I'm going to invite the the worship team to come back up. And this morning, we're going to do something maybe just a little bit different different than we just haven't done this in a while and it's not nothing crazy again it won't involve any spit uh but jesus said at the end of this in verse six or seven sorry he says go and wash in the pool of siloam and i wonder as you heard him say that as you were injecting yourself into that story if there was something that he was saying go and and you fill in the blank this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to kind of go and, and wash, in a sense. And we're going to, to be washed in, 
in prayer, to be washed in, in potentially in, in an anointing, to be washed even by the, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. In James chapter 5, uh, verse 13, it says this. James is talking to, to followers of Jesus, and he says, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. He says, Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. See, this morning we want to maybe offer all of those. Offer just a safe and non-threatening and non-coercive space and place for you to rest and be in the presence of Jesus, to receive prayer. If that's what God is saying, go and, and be prayed for today. We even have anointing oil. It's just, it's just oil. It's not, even, <laughs> it's not even essential. But it's, it's representative of the presence of God, of his Holy Spirit, and his desire to, to anoint us, to wash over us, and to heal us. Now, we don't make any promises in this, but we will faithfully pray with and for you if that is what you need today. And we're going to have a couple places on just on the side. You'll see some chairs sitting over in those spaces and places. And you can feel free to, at, when we're singing these next few songs, to, to move towards them. You can even come up into the front. And, and here's what I would encourage you to do if you feel like that's your next step, is you can just come and, and sit. And if, if you just need to be in the presence of God, you just, you just want to talk to Jesus, but you know like you need to go and do something, just go and, and sit and take a posture, position that feels comfortable to you. But if you feel like this morning you need to be prayed for, you've got something going on, it's a condition, right? Like you have something physically that needs to be prayed for. You have something emotionally that needs to be prayed for. You have something relationally or spiritually that needs to be prayed for this morning. I have myself and, and three of our um, kind of leaders and, and elders and leadership board members in our church that will be willing to pray for you. And if you want it, they'll be willing to anoint you with oil. And so if that's you, you can just sit in any of these spaces. There's plenty around here and just sit and just cup your hands as if you were going to receive water within them and then we'll know that you just want to be prayed for today now as I even say all of these things I know how I would feel sitting out there I'd be like yeah right but even if I have something going on I'm not going to a tell anybody about it I'm not going to move out of my seat and I get it and I'm not going to force you there's no coercion here I we're, we're here waiting for you there's no pressure to come if you don't want to but there's something significant when we're willing to, to hear when God says go and, and do something and when we actually step into it and then there's faithfulness in, in, the, in the prayers of, of those who there's nothing special about us but we're just willing to pray in faith and so maybe you just in these moments these next two songs you'll just want to maybe stand and sing and praise as he was talking about maybe you'll just want to pray yourself where you're sitting maybe even sit down you sit down with your spouse you sit down with your friend or maybe you will come and and be prayed for this morning. There's no right or wrong answer in this. It's just simply an invitation to, to hear and to listen. The Holy Spirit will do the convicting. It's not our job to. And so there's no uh, pressure or point anyway. So would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray. And then we're just going to go through a couple songs. And if you can just listen and do as you need to do. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. You see us. 
you behold us. You know, each person in this room, each person that is watching online, you know exactly where we're at. You know the condition that we are in and you know the exact need that we have this morning. Whether we have a physical need, an emotional need, a relational need, you already know it and you already know the story. And we're so grateful that we don't have to, we don't have to feel like we have to hide that from you because sometimes we feel like we have to hide it from the people in our lives. Lord, but we're grateful that you know us and you see all the stuff and you still love us and behold us anyway. And so this morning, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to, to speak clearly to us. We invite you to anoint us by yourself. Heal us where we, where we have broken parts and broken places and spaces. And may this just simply be an opportunity for us to, to partner in the work that you're already doing. And we're grateful for it. We pray that your hand of mercy and grace would be upon each person in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. sat, wherever we found ourselves, whatever condition, whatever the story was, you, you met us exactly where we were. You knew exactly what we needed today, and we thank you for that, that gift, that, that blessing, that, that favor, that, that your face would, it would shine upon us this morning. And we just pray that, that we might walk in that this morning as we leave this place and as we go into our, our day, Lord, we wouldn't just walk out and just forget the things that you spoke, the things that you said, and the things that you did, but that we would hold tightly to them, um, and you would bless them. We pray that in your name. Now, this morning, my sense is that you probably, the, the, in some form or fashion, God said something to you, like spoke a word, or maybe an encouragement, or maybe he was, met you exactly where you were at, and um, you know, something that James also says is he says, do not simply listen to the word or simply hear the word but but do what it says and so when when God says something to you like if for this morning and honestly if, if he said you need to be prayed for but it, it just didn't feel right to come and, and meet us just know that that I'm not going anywhere <laughs> Mitchell and Olivia we're not we're not going we'll be around here for a while so come and and find us any Sunday after church or before church for that matter come and, and find us if you need to be prayed for if you need someone to to stand in the gap with and for you we, we would be honored to do so. Uh, Olivia doesn't even know I'm going to do this, but I thought we could just close with the benediction. Yeah. 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 Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. He'll be 
Okay, God bless you as you go.